Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Now we have financial surveillance where it's big government working with big banks, big corporations to surveil, to spy on Americans. And so it was big banks looking and searching private transactions using key terms at the suggestion of the federal government to, to find out what, what you're buying, what you're spending your money on. Scary stuff. All it looks like without any warrant, without any legal process, they undertook this as a way to identify domestic violent extremists. And here, here's Here's what it sounds a lot like. Remember that, that memorandum in Richmond about uh, pro-life Catholics are extremists because they go to church and they're pro-life and they talk about, you know, protecting human life. That's exactly what these documents sound like. We're right on the, on the you know, front edge of this. We'll see how it all progresses. But it's scary stuff. It's financial surveillance of the American people. Are you ready? And on the day after that was revealed for like the second or the tenth time, uh, we suddenly have the Uvalde report coming out today. It's really interesting. Uh, there was a press briefing earlier today on the program. Uh, the program meaning the cable channels. There was a uh, uh, an availability with Murky Garland and uh, his loyal uh, sidekick, uh, Vanita Gupta, uh, and a number of other people there. They decided today, today was going to be the day that they were going to drop the Uvalde report about what happened, how it went, what, what went down, all, all that sort of stuff. And I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. Um, it, it is certainly tickling my curiosity that we would just announce that today on the 18th of, of uh, January 2024. That, that attack on that school was an atrocity. It was an atrocity. And the fault lies with the law enforcement officers who were on the scene who did not go in and attempt to save the lives of these children. Nobody can defend what was done there. Nobody can. But you see how Joe Biden makes his way over to Raleigh? At, what's he doing today? You guys heard what he was doing, right? He's giving away money for Internet. Everybody's got Internet, Joe. Everybody has Internet. You know what they don't have? Safe streets. If you could just give away the money and pay off the criminals so that they don't murder, rape, pillage, etc., now maybe we would have something for you. But everybody's got Internet. Internet has been here for a really long time. How do you think your son made all the porno videos? you got to have the Internet. By the way, we also found out that the laptop is real. And, oh, by the way, we also found out that it appears, at least from my observation... That the entire reason for pushing out the Uvalde report coming out today is to try to discredit Greg Abbott and the efforts that they are undertaking in the state of Texas. Now, we're going to unpack each and every one of these things. But before I do that, that's a tease. Before I do that, I want to make a series of comments about the president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., who, for those of you who have any doubt, he is the president of the United States. Kamala Harris is the vice president of the United States. Uh, Joe Biden has been the president of the United States since 2021. OK, there is no question about that. So, you know, just just set yourself aside and and, and chill out. But I was thinking about what Joe Biden does. Joe Biden doesn't do much. He doesn't do much. 
you, you think about the things that Joe Biden does. What does he do? Don't say takes vacations. That's too obvious. That's low hanging fruit. What does Joe Biden do? Does he come up with policy, administrate policy, distribute the policy, get successful things from the policy? No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. He does exactly one thing, exactly one thing. Payoffs, payoffs. I'm not saying necessarily criminal payoffs, but he just pays people. He pays people. He, he and Barack Obama, when they were teamed up, paid off Iran with a pallet full of cash. Joe Biden paid off Ukraine when his son was part of Burisma. And we now know, because it's been verified, that the laptop is totally 100% true, including the 10% for the big guy emails. Joe Biden has paid off China. Joe Biden has paid off the rioters, the criminal class. The illegal immigrants. He sent six billion dollars to the Iranians before they went in and murdered twelve hundred Jewish people and non-Jews in Israel. Joe Biden thinks leadership is spending money. He doesn't articulate a vision. The vision he does articulate is not liking you. Not liking you because you are an impediment to him having a really good presidency. Remember, we were on the air three weeks ago, two weeks ago, when Joe Biden gave his famous speech blaming you for January 6th and saying that Donald Trump's an insurrectionist and he's evil and he's the devil and he's all that kind of stuff. But all Joe Biden does is spend your money and you get inflation. And then he thinks calling it uh Bidenomics is going to erase the Bidenflation. That's not the case at all. He spent $132 billion trying to pay off the students who don't want to pay for their student loans. He, he thinks he can just spend money and develop an entire new system of travel in our country. Do you know what their big idea is now for the election? I saw this. I have the story. It's incredible. They're going to build high-speed rail. They're going to build high-speed rail from Dallas to Houston. Why? Why? If I take high-speed rail in 40 years which is how long it's going to take to build this thing. If I take high-speed rail from Dallas to Houston, how do I then get around in Houston if my car is not on the train? I'm going to walk around the streets of Houston? It's a spread-out place, like Charlotte is a spread-out place. There's a lot of real estate in that area. Yes, you do. You got the light rail here. That's fine to go to and fro. But at some point, you have to connect in a particular way, riding a bus, an Uber, a shuttle, a, 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 a scooter, uh, rollerblades, whatever it is. You've got to be able to get to the place. But he thinks the answer to fixing all these problems is money, payoffs, payoffs. And I'm not saying payoffs in a derogatory way, though there are certainly a lot of people who have been paid off uh, by the Bidens. And we know the laptop is true. But he thinks all you have to do is pay people, pay, pay for things, and that the problem is fixed. It's not. This is a crisis. 
We have spent trillions of dollars, including $5 trillion under this guy. Money is not policy. Money is not policy. And that is something he doesn't understand because he is a hostage to the Beltway. And it's all he knows. Send some money. Just get, get another $30 billion and put, put, put money into it. That's not how you run a government. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Whittable Show, 704-570-1110. Now, look, I understand money is the mother's milk of uh, politics. And I understand money has to be spent when it comes to politics. I get that. I understand that. It's not a shocking thing to me in any way, shape, or form. But, however, let me just point a couple things out here, okay? We have spent a ton of money... We have spent a ton of money, and yet we, we don't have a lot of great results for the money that we've spent because all the money that we're spending is like aspirational. This is why I wanted to talk about, you know, the whole idea of, of Internet. OK, um, North Carolina has access to Internet. South Carolina has access to Internet. Do you know who has the fastest and the greatest Internet penetration in the entire country. Anybody have a, a wild guess about this? It's North Dakota. You know why it is in North Dakota? Because there's like 700 people in the whole state. OK, so you can get the Internet out to where you need to get it out to. But it's a marketplace reality. And yes, it is. It is. It is controlled. It is controlled by utility companies, and there are certain Internet companies that have exclusive agreements in certain places like where I live. Um, so I can't, you know, I'd have to go out and buy a hotspot and, and, and run it off of, you know, some other system. But here's the thing. Why is Joe Biden coming into North Carolina and selling Internet? Why? Why, why is he coming in to, to, to throw money around for Internet? What, what is the purpose of that? Uh, look, I get it. He's, he's spending money. But there are so many other things that you could spend the money on. There are so many other things you could spend the money. You could spend the money on more money on law enforcement, anti-drugs interdiction, uh, fighting fentanyl uh, poisonings and, and, and murders and that sort of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that you could come in and speak on. But he has this built in. I'm telling you, he has this. And and, and I I don't want to insult anybody here, okay? Joe Biden thinks about the South, and he thinks it's like 1955. And it's like, I'm going to go to the people who are underprivileged. Really, did you go to Ohio, to East Palestine, when the train derailed and the people were actually getting poisoned? No, you won't go anywhere near that, because Boot Edge Edge was in charge of that operation. And that's transportation and infrastructure, and you don't want to be a part of that. But what he wants to do is he wants to live with this model in his mind of uh, what the South is. The South is the engine of the American economy. It, it, I mean, it, it truly is. There's a reason, President Biden, that people are bleeding out of 
New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts. They're, they're bleeding out of Delaware. They're bleeding out of the, the industrial Midwest and Chicago. They are fleeing those places to come to the South, the place that you, I think, revile in a lot of ways. I don't think he has any respect for people in the South because his entire framing is from, like, 1955. You know, he still thinks that there's, like, segregation he still thinks that there's, you know, Bull Connor. He, he still thinks that, that there's some real bad hombres like Russell and, and, and the rest of these folks who were all, dare I say, D-E-M-O-C-R-A-T-S. That's, that's, but he thinks, he thinks, oh, I got to go down to the poor people. I got to go see the poor people in North Carolina. North Carolina is a machine. Let me go and bring them a little internet. No, no. Why don't Why don't you come in and say, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put in We're gonna put in seven billion dollars to expand the Charlotte Airport and to and to develop better air travel and better roadways and all that sort of stuff. But no, you're gonna come in and give us internet. We have internet. People have internet. If you don't have internet, call me, and I'll put you in touch with somebody who can get you internet. You know, they actually they have like free Internet now. You know, the federal government provides free Internet for people who are lower income. That 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 is a fact. And he's bringing Internet. What is this? OK, not 1955. What is it? 1995? TJ, uh, can I get my uh, a, a, my AOC uh, back? I'm sorry, my AOL back. I know it wasn't AOC. You got some CDs for me? I need like six. I need 600 minutes. Oh, it's by the hours. That's 10 hours, 600 minutes, 10 hours. I need 10 hours. I got to, I'm, I'm going to go in my chat room. I got a chat room. We're, we're doing a macrame and fishing. It's a macrame and fishing uh, thing. And I got to, you know, I'm going to plug it into the phone and it's going to make that terrible sound. And the most terrible sound of all, as you well know, was the busy signal. That was no good. But Joe Biden thinks you need internet. If you need internet and you want to thank Joe Biden for your faster internet now, please feel free to call us. Oh. Wow. That's what happened. Last night, while minding my business, I accidentally hit a button on my remote. No, it wasn't Cinemax After Dark. It was, however, something far more interesting. It was CNN. I landed on CNN. And Caitlin Collins tries to lecture... Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, about the challenges at the border. Coming up in uh, just a few minutes, I'm going to break this down for you, let you hear what Mike Johnson had to say. Uh, she was uh, she was just not having any of it. None of it. She would not hear from that man or hear what he had to say. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, he is the Speaker of the House. He was in the negotiation. And I understand that you got the orders from headquarters, but come on, let the man speak. You will hear from him next. No, there's no, no, there's no money for border security from the, yeah, no, no, just internet for North Carolina. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Woodrow Show. Okay, I got a great message from somebody, and I have to, uh, I have to, about the infrastructure money. This is really good. I'm not going to use their name because they, uh, I'm going to keep them anonymous. Former country, a uh, former company that I dealt that I worked with a while back is the contractor building the high-speed rail from Houston to Dallas. They were working on it about a year before uh, I, I was involved. It's been a total of six years. The only thing high-speed are the checks going from the government account to the contractor account. Why, why again, why wouldn't you put, and, and I'm serious about this. We've kind of talked about this in the past. Where would you run high-speed rail today? Where would you run high-speed rail today, TJ? Where would you, if the first place, where would you do it? Like New York to Washington or something like that. They already like have that. that. They already have that. Okay, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about here. I'm thinking about here. <laughs> oh, from here. I'm thinking about here. Like Charlotte to Atlanta. Charlotte okay, that, to that's, Raleigh. That's, reason, that's reasonable. Do you, have, do you have one there, Isaac? I would love for one to be put in from my driveway to the parking lot here at WBC. <laughs> okay, that's good. We can yeah. put in for that. We can put in for that. Um, how about Charlotte to Charleston and then oh, on absolutely. to Savannah? To the coast? That'd be How about that? Amazing. Okay, you, you, you could actually get on a high-speed rail, ha- have a couple, you know, couple of cocktails, grab a nap, and the next thing you know, boom, ba-boom, you're, you're at the beach. Love I mean, I, I, look, stay in North Carolina. Why don't we have from Charlotte— to the coast, baby. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. let's do or Charlotte to Asheville. How about the airport to the light rail? Oh, they're, they're, they're perfect, perfect, right? So, like, that's useful. People, but they go to like we're going to go Houston to Dallas and Dallas to Houston. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody needs to go. Like they have, they're building one right now. Harry Reid was responsible for this project, and it's just now getting started. And I think he's been dead for like ten years. They're going to run. High-speed rail from Los Angeles to Vegas. No, no, no. Do you know what kind of derelicts ride the trains in Southern California? And now they're going to go Vegas. There's going to be four murders a week on the train. I mean. You're going to be crossing the desert. You're going to be low on cash. Those murders are going to happen in L.A. or Vegas either way. No, so, it's very know, possible, it's yes. It's just going to happen on the train now. But it's like, but but the problem with that is is it's like literally a 45-minute flight from L.A. to Vegas. Okay? You're just like you're up and you're down. They they throw a, 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 a Jim Beam at you and then welcome to Sin City, you know? But, but it's like I would want – if you're going to do high-speed rail, put it in a thing that's like desirable where you'd want to go. Run it to Bristol. Run it to Atlanta. Run it to Talladega. Like, spoke it out from Charlotte, man. Would that not be awesome? And then if you want to make Joe Biden happy, you send the high-speed rail from Charlotte to Pocono. But that's a weird track. So I don't – that's a, that's the tricky triangle, which would be interesting because we could go from the research triangle to the tricky triangle. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at any rate, that he, he, he just to close this up, and, and I'm going to get to a couple other things. He just thinks, like, if you just throw money at people, hey, we're going to give you Internet. Wow, great. Thank you. By the way, you know how long it takes to go from Charlotte to Charleston if you take the train? Look it up. It's got two numbers in the number. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a three-hour drive. Amtrak, Charlotte, 
I'll do it in real time. Charlotte to Charleston. To Charleston. Not, not West Virginia. No. Time. Okay. See, we can definitely speed it up, whatever it is. You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna get you're gonna have hurt feelings when I tell you how long it takes. So you guys are gonna go get on the train to go to Charleston at five thirty tonight. Okay. You're gonna right. at five thirty. And it's gonna be great because you're gonna get there at nine fifty four tomorrow morning. No. No. Sixteen hours and forty six minutes. That's yeah, let's speed that up. Okay, there's a faster one. There's a thirteen hour and forty five, there's a twelve hour and fifty. The worst, like the top end, is uh, you get on the train from Charlotte Uptown, 2.03 p.m. You get to Charleston at 8.07 a.m. the next day. Oh. Yeah. Yep. It's only 143 bucks for a ticket, though. Wow. Wow. I'm looking at it on Kaya. You could almost, like, rent a car for the train. Almost. <laughs> You could, you probably could Uber quicker and cheaper yeah. for two hundred and sixty bucks. One way, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, so so the thing is, it's like there's a reason why they're not gonna they're not gonna run rail from here to there. They're not gonna run rail from because what do they do? They would run rail. You can go to D.C. and you can take the train all the way down to, to the tip of Florida. You can go down to Miami, and they actually have a car train where you put your car on the train and you can go. You can go from Boston or New York all the way down to down to Miami, and you get your car when you get off the train, which is like, yes, this is great. This is the folly of this. We have much faster ways of getting around today, much more efficient ways. And if you want to subsidize something, well, then you have to understand what you're subsidizing. You're subsidizing because it's so expensive that people don't want to spend all that time and money to, to do that. And that's, I mean, I, I'll bet, I'm going to take a look. I'm going to see how long it takes me to walk from Charlotte to Charleston. I want, I'm going to have to check that. You know what? I'll bet I can just go get a boat and go down the lakes and then hang a left when I get down there by, by, uh, by Columbia. Just hop on the Catawba. It'll take you right down. And I'm saying, right? Yeah. Let's take the boat. There's some creeks for sure. Uh, creeks or cricks? Uh, no, cricks. That's that's for mountain people. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is a brand new uh, class being offered at Rice University. Afrochemistry. Afrochemistry. Rice University unveiling Afrochemistry, a class that will explore the intersection of racial justice and chemistry dubbing it the study of Black Life Matter. That is uh, uh, a, a class that is being taught by Dr. Brooke Johnson, teaching the class that doesn't count towards a chemistry major, but it's, it's, it's an elective uh, type class. The Rice University is now offering an Afrochemistry class that promises to analyze science through a contemporary African-American lens, marketed as the study of Black Life Matter, a play on words merging science jargon with the Black Lives Matter movement. The course begins this semester. The course description on the university's website explains that students will apply chemical tools and analysis to understand black life in the U.S. and implement um, African-American sensibilities to analyze chemistry. 
So what does this include? Well, it includes diverse historical and contemporary scientists. Intellectuals and chemical discoveries will inform personal reflections and proposals for addressing inequities in chemistry and chemical education. The university bio lists her as a preceptor and postdoctoral fellow who was a former track athlete at Rice until her graduation in 2017. Dr. Johnson is a pas- is passionate about the intersection of science and social justice and using her unique experiences to teach, support and inspire diverse students uh, according to the uh, to the description. Now, here's here's the difference between that and say if this was being offered in a public school, like just a a public school for for students. You can take whatever classes you want and pay for them. And you can do all the studying you want and, and just pay for the classes. That's that's the beauty of uh, being able to go and enroll at a, at a university, a very nice university like Rice. Um, it's something else entirely when it's not a, a voluntary act where it's like, well, we're going to do Afro. Like if you were going to try to implement Afrochemistry, whatever that would seem as uh, in a science program at a high school. I, I think I, I think it would create a lot more uh, uh, headlines. But. Uh, again, I'm a believer in the marketplace. I believe in the marketplace. There is not just one marketplace. There is the marketplace where you can go and uh, you can study this or you can study that. Um, you you can pick up this topic. You can focus on this different topic. I mean, these are these are all things that are that are out there. Have you heard about Maxwell Frost? Maxwell Frost is a congressperson from Florida. And uh, he says that since people are not are not upholding the values that are needed for immigration to happen in the United States, that he is introducing a bill to remove the Statue of Liberty. And he wants to he wants to make a point to the conservatives and the haters uh, that that, yeah, it's time then to get rid of the Statue of Liberty. With all the challenges we have, you see, this is the TikTokification of the Congress, the TikTokification of the Congress, the tweetification of the Congress, the Instagram uh, of the Congress, all that sort of stuff. We don't get down to serious business. We are simply in a position where we're going to try to own the other side. And at some point, we are going to have to get back to regular order. These emotive Congress people and senators need to understand that the American people have very little patience left, given all the fundamental trans transformation uh, of this country already under this administration. And again, as I said a couple days ago, you know, this is the 16th year of the fundamental transformation of America. And I'm, I'm starting to hear from people who are bristling. I'm starting to hear from people who, who don't like the fundamental transformation. And that's why coming up, we're going we're gonna to get into the actual border conversation because the border conversation is a hugely important thing. And uh, Mike Johnson did a really good job in trying to explain what the policies were, despite the fact that all Caitlin Collins could say to him was, but why, why? Do you keep talking about executive orders? I want to set the table here before we come back into this next hour. The reason why Mike Johnson is talking about the executive orders is because the border was broken by an executive order 
signed by Joe Biden. And the person who wrote the executive order was Ron Klain. I don't know why they have failed to subpoena Ron Klain. He is the guy that knows everything. How much does he know? Well, he was Joe Biden's chief of staff for for eight years when those deals were being done with Hunter and company. He would know what's going on for some reason. The Congress will not subpoena Ron Klain. You want to look him up? R-O-N-K-L-A-I-N. He is a person you'll recognize. You'll say, oh, that guy. He was the guy, remember, who wanted to write the executive order to force all companies, regardless of size, to mandate the COVID shots. And the Supreme Court struck that down under the OSHA standards. They said you couldn't do it. It's a really unbelievable story. But he's the guy. He and Joe Biden are the two people that broke the border. And so when you have uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, sitting there and talking about the, the border being broken and being told by Caitlin Collins that you shouldn't blame it on an executive order, the original sin of the broken border in this administration was, was an executive order. 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Great to be with you this afternoon. Our telephone number, as always, 704-570-1110. That is the phone number to be a part of the conversation. The Senate has uh, passed a stopgap funding measure for the government, but the House Freedom Caucus is now uh, insisting on border measures, according to reporting right now, uh, including Fox News, with a conversation going on between Dan Crenshaw and uh, Neil Cavuto, uh, there is a possible border deal coming to uh, to form here. This is going to be an interesting uh, debate because this is not going to be a Band-Aid. This is going to have to be something that means something in terms of uh, not granting amnesty to people who have broken into the border. None of that sort of stuff. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces here. So last night. Uh, on a number of different uh, locations, you had Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, uh, touring and, and, and jumping in with different hosts. Right. He, he spoke with uh, Laura Ingram and then he spoke with Caitlin Collins. This is cut number twenty nine. This is Speaker Mike Johnson on stopping the migrant flows into the United States. Cut twenty nine. That the border be the top priority. I, I think we have some consensus around that table. Everyone understands the urgency of that, and we're going to continue to press for it. Well, that's 
Republicans who are engaged in the negotiation on the other side say that some of those claims aren't true. We, again, we have to reserve judgment because the text has not been posted yet and we've not seen it. I mean, I'm hopeful that they'll come up with something meaningful, but what I have said from the very beginning is that we have to have H.R. 2 or the functional equivalent thereof. Why? Because it has very important provisions. We reform asylum and the broken parole process. We restore the Trump era remain in Mexico policy, which is essential, and you end catch and release. We need to rebuild the wall. There are other elements as well, but some of those are essential to stop the flow. So that is the uh, that that's one of the essential parts that that he's talking about. So let's go to cut thirty one. This is uh, Mike Johnson talking with Caitlin Collins from CNN, and uh, he tries to lay it out for her. Cut thirty one. I have been very clear from day one, the day I got the gavel. We need certain elements to make sure this is that the border situation is solved. That means to restrict the flow, not based upon talking points or hyperbole or what Republicans say they want. This is coming from the experts on the ground. We went down there to talk to the people in charge of administering this. The Border Patrol agents, the sheriffs in Texas, the people who live with this crisis every single day. And they have asked us to ensure that this happens. By the way, Caitlin, by one way of example, the, they say that if the president himself would sign one executive order and, and reinstate Remain in Mexico, that policy, it could stem the flow by 70 percent. So I asked the president, I asked President Biden just the other day on the phone, I said, why would you not do that, sir? This would solve a big part of the problem. You have it within your ability to do it. But we're talking about legislation here, and you keep going back to executive orders. But on the actual legislation that you as House Speaker can do, it seems like what you're saying is that your position is what House Republicans want here or nothing, that there's no compromise to be made. Is that right? No, that's not what I'm saying, Caitlin. What I'm saying is we have existing federal law in the books that Secretary Mayorkas has not enforced. We documented 64 examples of the White House, President Biden's executive order, and his uh, agencies taking action to cause this catastrophe. I told the president that today in the White House, in the meeting with all my colleagues there. And I said, Mr. President, you have created, you and your policies have created the catastrophe we have right now, and it is incumbent upon you to fix it. We need a combination, okay? But executive action is a huge and important part of this. All right, he continues going on to cut 32. This is Mike Johnson on the specific challenges that are facing us at the border. There's been lots of rumors about it, but I'm, I'm very hopeful that they will give us something meaningful that is very close to what we've sent over from the House. Again, the reason is not for politics. This is beyond Republican versus Democrat. This is about a serious catastrophe that almost nine out of 10 Americans understand is that an emergency level is something that must be addressed. That's what the polling says, because they see what's happening. Caitlin, we had 302,000 people encountered at the border in December alone. We've had over 300 suspects on the terrorist watch list coming to the country. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans age 18 to 49 right now, coming right over the border. I mean, human trafficking, it goes on and on. People yeah. are coming from 170 countries. We cannot continue what we're doing right now. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up with uh, cut number 33, Mike Johnson uh, expressing what it is that he heard from people that are right there on the ground having to secure this area, cut 33. Well, I, I think we had productive discussion today at the White House because I, I told them it doesn't matter to me what you label it. I don't care if you call it H.R. 2, but 
those elements are really important. And I illustrated to the president and, and to uh, all of our colleagues that are around that table that this is not Republican talking points. We, we went down to the border about three weeks ago. I brought 64 House Republicans down there to see what's happening at Eagle Pass, which is kind of the epicenter right now. And the Border Patrol agents there, the sheriffs on the ground, the people who deal with it every day said that there's simple action that can be taken right now. You don't even need new federal law. You need executive action to stem the flow. And, and the, the deputy chief of the Border Patrol, who's a 33-year veteran of the agency, Caitlin, told us in his own words, he said, I feel like I'm administering an open fire hydrant. I don't need more buckets. I need to reduce the flow. And so we talked about in the White House today how that can be done. And, and the president has a, a very important personal you... executive role to play. Now, here's the thing that is particularly heartbreaking about this whole process. You've had people lose their lives coming across the border. You've had people dying from fentanyl uh, chemical attacks, basically. Uh, this is poisonings on purpose. Uh, but you've also done something else. And this is going to be the difficult part of this fight. The cartels have taken these people across the border into the United States of America. And many of these people have paid a very high price in terms of money uh, for the cartels. The cartels have gotten their money. They're getting their money, uh, their proceeds, all that sort of stuff uh, is happening. So what happens when we get a border deal, we agree to secure the border, and we still have 10 million people that have come across the border under the Biden-Harris administration? Are they going to be deported? Are they going to be sent back home? See, that is, that is the particularly heinous part of Joe Biden and Ron Klain opening the border. Because you have people who were desperate. They've come into the United States. Now they're going to be deported. And you know full well they're going to come back. They're going to come back. So does Joe Biden take any responsibility for this? If this were a crime, and I believe it is a crime, he would have to allocute and acknowledge that he did this. But Corrine Jean-Pierre in the White House continues to say that Joe Biden did nothing wrong on the border. What do you say about this? How do you feel about this? Particularly curious, especially if you're somebody who has immigrants in your family or you emigrated to the United States, whether it's the third, fourth generation back. I'm just really curious how you feel about this. And are you willing to take a deal that's being shepherded in large measure by Lindsey Graham, who is going around D.C. saying this is the best possible deal we're going to get. It's the only way to get 60 votes. If Trump becomes president, we're not going to get this kind of a deal. Right out of uh, TJ's playlist, 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show. Great to be with you. Our telephone number, again, 704-570-1110. And so uh, we, we dive into some of the other big uh, news stories that are out there. Um, do you think that Nikki Haley is going to stay in this race? I feel like at any minute we're going to see Ron drop out. I just To me, I don't know that he's even going to make South Carolina. Uh, I'm curious about how you assess this situation. And, you know, it is not too early to start thinking— um, who is it that uh, Trump would likely pick as a uh, as a veep? Uh, we're always uh, curious uh, about that sort of stuff as well. As I mentioned in the beginning of the program, the Biden laptop is real. It, it has been verified as real. It is real. 
And so, you know, the stuff that's now in there, and I'm, I'm very good friends with uh, Emma Jo Morris, who was the person who originally started to dive into this uh, laptop after it was it was uh, moved into circulation. And she was at the at the time reporting for The New York Post. And they were they were just telling her they were just telling her, you know, the uh, the, the problem, um, you know, the, the, the problem uh, w- w- with it, you know. Um, the question about whether or not it was real is um, is 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 out there. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. Seven oh four five seven zero eleven ten. Um you know who looks really bad? How about Dan Goldman? How about Dan Goldman, who is the um, Dan Goldman, who is the uh, congressman from Brooklyn, who was you, you'll remember him. He was besties with Shifty Shift during the original Ukraine impeachment stuff. And remember, he said in testimony, well, not in testimony, but he said on the floor of the Congress when they were doing a hearing about three weeks ago that there's no proof that this thing is a real is real. It's possible it's been it's been tampered with. It's possible that it's not the real deal. Well, the Just Us Department confirmed in a Tuesday court filing Hunter Biden's laptop is real, a suppressed fact that could have altered the 2020 presidential election. Seventy one percent of Americans believe accurate reporting on Hunter's laptop from hell could have altered the 2020 presidential election, according to polling. The DOJ, the DOJ um, confirmed the laptop was Hunter's by determining that he left it at a computer store and that the contents matched what authorities obtained via a search warrant of Hunter's iCloud. Um, Those videos, those images, those those everything yuck investigators also later came into possession of the defendant's apple mac pro apple macbook pro which he had left at the computer store search warrant was obtained for his laptop and the result of the search warrant were largely duplicative that's duplicate duplicate information also obtained for his laptop and the result of the search were largely duplicative of information investigators had already obtained. So imagine all these poor people who are duped into voting for Joe Biden because they believed that this laptop wasn't real. I mean, they kind of had their, I mean, I, I would argue they, they probably kind of sort of had their vote stolen from them. I mean, this is, this is, this is like a voter fraud uh, of, of, of a different animal. And there are people that don't want to say that, but, you know, certainly that, that, is, a, that is an issue that we ought to uh, pay close attention to. Joe Rogan. This this is a very interesting story about Joe Rogan, because, of course, it takes a a Euro weenie to do something like this. Extremism experts think Joe Rogan is more dangerous than Hamas. Joe Rogan is more dangerous than Hamas. Lecturers on a civil service counterterror course in London are more concerned about provocative podcasters than murderous Islamists. Hold on a minute. You're talking about Hamas, suicide bomber Hamas, baby killer Hamas, 
baby killer put in the oven Hamas, uh, raping women Hamas. Joe Rogan's the problem. Joe Rogan is the problem, not the fact that Hamas murdered innocent people. Uh, are you are you are you nuts? Are you kidding me? What is your damage, Heather, from a movie of some repute? I mean, this is crazy. We're going to uh, take a, a dive into it. I, I just this is remarkable that Joe Rogan is more dangerous than Hamas, according to these people who are offended uh, by uh, whatever is is driving uh, Joe Rogan at this stage of the game. I will give you one little pull quote, though. Writing in Fathom earlier this month, Anna Stanley recalls an academic expert on extremism telling attendees that the author and journalist Douglas Murray and comedian and podcaster Joe Rogan were examples of far-right extremists. She went on to tell attendees that society needed to find ways to suppress such figures. He complained that just deplatforming them would cause issues because they have millions of followers. Gee, what should we do? What, 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 what should we do? Put, put, put them in the wood chipper? Like in the movie? Stop it. Get a hold of yourself. Maybe that's the problem. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Witterbull Show. Good to be with you. 704-570-1110. So somebody try to explain to me, please. I need to know this. I need to know this, ladies and gentlemen. I need to know why it is that Joe Rogan and Douglas Murray are like civilizational threats to humanity. I don't understand this. This is from a piece uh, that is working um, about extremism experts thinking that Joe Rogan is more dangerous than Hamas. This is a real story. This isn't the onion. Uh, this is not the uh, bumblebee, the Babylon bee, the bumblebee. It's none of that. Writing in Fathom earlier this month, Anna Stanley recalls an academic expert on extremism telling attendees that author and journalist Douglas Murray and comedian and podcaster Joe Rogan are examples of far-right extremists. The lecturer then went on to tell attendees that society needed to find ways to suppress such figures. He complained that just deplatforming them wouldn't be enough, that it would cause issues because they have millions of followers who would still seek them out. It gets worse. While this extremism specialist was only too happy to call for tough action against the likes of Joe Rogan, who is not far right, by the way. Other lecturers on the course were restrained and even sympathetic towards Islamist extremists. Rogan bad, Hamas good. Though the course took place before the atrocities of October the 7th, it's still shocking to read of extremism experts encouraging civil servants to consider Hamas as freedom fighters. After all, Hamas is a prescribed terrorist group under U.K. law. Yet lecturers were still warning civil servants of the risks of making moral judgments about Islamic terrorists. You cannot say negative things about Al-Qaeda. You can't say negative things about the Houthis. You can't say negative things about the Hamas. This experience at the King's College, this is in England, 
England is very quickly dying, ladies and gentlemen. They are they are slipping from Western civilization more and more every day. Stanley's experience of the King's College course illustrates the double standards at work in our elites approach to terrorism and extremism. As William Shawcross explained in the UK government review of the prevent counterterrorism strategy last year, there tends to be an expansive approach to the extreme right wing capturing a variety of influences so broad it has included mildly controversial or provocative forms of mainstream right-wing-leaning commentary that have no meaningful connection to terrorism or radicalization. So let's stop right there. That story that we talked about at the beginning of the program, I played the sound of Jim Jordan. Do we have the Jim Jordan clip again? Let's let's dig this uh, Jim Jordan clip up again. I, I, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what it's uh, what it's on here. We're going to go to uh, uh, Jim Jordan. We got it. Okay, very good. This is Jim Jordan revealing essentially the American version of what you just heard about Joe Rogan and Douglas Murray. Go. Now we have financial surveillance where it's big government working with big banks, big corporations to surveil, to spy on Americans. And so it was big banks looking and searching private transactions using key terms at the suggestion of the federal government to to find out what, what you're buying, what you're spending your money on. Scary stuff. All it looks like without any warrant, without any legal process, they undertook this as a way to identify domestic violent extremism. And here, here's, here's what it sounds a lot like. Remember that, that memorandum in Richmond about uh, pro-life Catholics are extremists because they go to church and they're pro-life and they talk about, you know, protecting human life. That's exactly what these documents sound like. We're right on the, on the you know, front edge of this. We'll see how it all progresses. But it's scary stuff. It's financial surveillance of the American people. Okay. I was here on the air when the uh, J6 stuff happened, I was here on the air and I reported immediately the next day that a Bank of America volunteered all the information on anybody who was a Bank of America customer in Washington, D.C. on the three days running up to maybe it was the week before uh, at. At, at, at January 6th, they turned over all this material, all of the telephone providers, all of the credit card companies turned over the information. Cabela's and 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 Dick's and all those people turned over the information to the federal government so they could look. But they are continuing to surveil us. They're continuing to surveil you. They are looking to see if you bought. This is not an exaggeration. You're going to think I'm not telling you the truth. They want to know if you bought a Bible. Buying a Bible is cause for concern at the federal level. What if I buy a Quran? What if I buy the teachings of Buddha? What if I, uh, what if I buy the book by uh, O'Hare? On being an atheist. What if I what, what if I uh, am buying a gift for uh, a christening? What if I I mean, go down the list. Is your religion approved? And ladies and gentlemen, this is not paranoia because, you know, full well, Murky Garland, the most 
suspect attorney general in American history. He's right there with Palmer. He's right there with Palmer. Um, Murky Garland was okay with spies being placed in churches, and specifically Catholic churches, and, and specifically he was okay with the desire to have spies sitting in the confessional so that they could report back to the FBI, the fan belt inspectors. You're being surveilled, and you're being told that you're the problem. Why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that they dropped the Uvalde report today? Because they don't want to answer on this. That that the Department of the Treasury, oh gosh, okay, my name is Janet Yellen, and I'm the Secretary of the Treasury, and remember I went to China, and they fed me funny mushrooms, and I was tripping in the hotel room. Remember I told that story, I was talking all about it all the time. These wacko weirdos retreads retreads that are in every administration, right? They start with a nice set of tread and then they become recapped and recapped and retread and recapped and retread because they want to control your life. This is disgusting. This is despicable. And so this is a global issue. It's a global issue because they're trying to say Joe Rogan and boring Douglas Murray I mean, Douglas Murray is as soft as baby do. He, he's, he sits there and he goes, he goes, well, by, by all chance, I'm just trying to save Western civilization. And da, da. He's a talker. He's a talker. He writes books. He's, he's, not, he's not tough. He's not like a tough guy. Rogan's kind of a tough guy. Ain't no Dana White, but, you know. But here's, here's the thing. They're looking at what you're buying. They're looking at what you're reading. They're looking at you buying Bibles. They're looking at you buying, uh, what, God knows, they're probably surveilling you for fireworks. Well, what do you have there? Is that, a, is that an M1000? Is that an M1000 you've got? How many sparklers do you have? We know what, you know what sparklers can do? I do know what sparklers can do. 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Get yourself some sparklers and a little sparkling wine. Where's the Bartles and James and the sparklers? I need some jung- jumbo sparklers and a handful of punks. Just light the whole box at once in one hand. Are you, by any chance, are you interested in Roman candles? No, I, I'm stationary. Um, <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Brett Winterville Show. What do we got coming up uh, this top of this next hour? It's going to be Beth Troutman will be joining us next up. Let's uh, jump out and talk to Albert. Albert, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, sir? Um, you know, I'm listening to you talk about this and hearing Pete Callen earlier with that guy from Argentina. Yes. I think we've hit a critical mass on this. Mm-hmm. They sent, the ACLU sent, spies into my church about 10 years ago to uh, harass us about our anti-gay preaching. And then they came in and they were like, 
they went back to their leadership and said, y'all are dead wrong. These are some of the nicest people we've ever met. I think these people are going to start to realize at some point that they're just crazy, or at least that's my hope, and I really hope it happens. So I thank you very much, Brett. Thank you for calling out in, Albert. I appreciate you being out there, buddy. Look, here's the thing. When you're a hammer, and this is going to sound like a weird philosophical take, and you may have heard this before, so I'm not trying to claim that I've created this. When you are a are a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Okay? And so when these people who sit in these cubicles and they have to keep an eye on uh, the, the dangerous MAGA people. Remember, we were playing those clips over and over again yesterday with what Joe Scarborough was saying with Danny Doy- Donnie Deutsch about how evil, how evil the MAGA people are and they're despicable and disgusting and Trump is Hitler. And I really genuinely believe this is what happens when people isolate themselves. You have people who live on the Internet. They live on the Internet. They look, they sit at home and they scroll on their phone and they scroll on their laptops and they scroll on their tablets. And all they want to do is find the next outrageous thing. It's like being a drug addict where you have to get that fix every six hours, every eight hours, whatever it is. So you've got to I've got to I've got to get my fix. I've got to get my fix. Go out and socialize with people. Like, go out. This, what we've got coming up here is, is going to be incredible. So tomorrow we're going to be out at the Crime Stoppers, uh, at the Crime Stoppers uh, event in Monroe. All right? Everybody from the station is going to be over there at the picnic. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time. I am going to be out and about in a variety of locations this weekend. I'm going to be over at the American Legion Hall in Fort, in Fort Mill, uh, spending time with those great people at the chili cook-off. Uh, I'm going to go read at my church. Uh, I'm going to spend time uh, with the beautiful people. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that would not be it would not be the beautiful people. I'm going to go spend time with Tool over at Spectrum Center on on Sunday night after I teach confirmation class. Don't tell my church, but I mean, you have to get out and live your life. You have to get out and live life. Live life. You have to do that. Otherwise, you're going to go complete bonkers, man. Joe Rogan's not the problem. They are. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're digging. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Brett Witterbull alongside Beth Troutman. It is good to have you back, Beth Troutman. And uh, awesome to cross the streams. And uh, we are uh, crossing the streams due to the great support from the great people over at PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. It's good to have you on. People that, thank you. People that you and I know incredibly well. We've both been through the program. We both had great success. So we have no problem saying, hey, we're here because of PhD Weight Loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So tell me something I don't know about what's going on in this crazy news cycle today. What what is what is what has what has tickled your fancy? Uh, what what is what is getting you uh, motivated? What is what is happening? Oh well, 
you know, we were talking about um, uh, an article this morning about the sudden huge success. And this is one of those kind of random water cooler news stories. Yes. But the huge success of divorce albums that have currently been um, released by the likes of Miley Cyrus, uh, Kelsey Ballerini, Kelly mm-hmm. Clarkson, mm-hmm. and how they've uh, you know really taken their heartbreak and pain and they've turned it into music and art and how people are just eating it up. I guess maybe all of us have a, that one thing in common that we have all experienced heartbreak at one time or another, yes. whether it be middle school or high school or uh, first marriages or broken engagements, whatever the, whatever the sure. case. But suddenly women are accessing the depths of their hearts and, and creating music about the, I guess, most personal moments in their lives, and people are eating it up and finding it incredibly alluring. And I, I thought that was, um, I thought that was quite a fascinating, uh, I don't know what it says about where we are, if maybe we're more open with, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's with probably. our personal lives. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like the, the TikTok world that we all just kind of share everything and we think everything <laughs> is appropriate to share. And yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're all here for it. But one of the big things that uh, happened today, yeah. and I am, this is, I, this is one of the things that I love when you have conversations about getting out and about in our yes. neighborhoods, in our communities, conversing with each other, having conversations, getting away from the screens, getting away from the computers, That's getting right. away from the death scrolls. Um, Bo and I were out today. We were at the Hood Hargett Breakfast Club luncheon, and we were moderating a conversation with County Manager Dina DiOrio. Um, lots of incredible people, both sides of the aisle there. Um, Dina was uh, she was open and, and, and upfront and entertaining and informative. Um, talking about everything from what it was like trying to run the county during COVID, and especially the early days of COVID, right. what it was like trying to deal with the county when, you know, they had that, I don't know if you remember, you might not have been here yet back in 2017 when there was a big cyber attack on the county and they, there was ransomware and they were asking for money in order to get the data back. And Dina DiOrio was very um, you know instrumental in making sure that we didn't actually pay the people, the ransom, and instead figured out a way to get the uh, the data, and was um, a, a pretty impressive leader during that. But you know, also talking about the things that are right with uh, Mecklenburg County, the things that are good in the relationship between the county manager and the city manager. And when you have conversations like this, it makes it much easier to see the good in people, especially people who are trying to serve, people who are trying to make our communities better, people who are trying and are, you know, on the road and believing that they're doing the best that they can and doing the the things that they believe are right in order to keep us safe as a community, to help upward mobility, to try to figure out how to serve the community. And when you see that in action, um, you can't help but feel patriotic. And that is a much different experience from watching a campaign ad, you know, or sure. from watching, listening to sound bites from um, different politicians who are campaigning. It's just such a great thing. And then we're, you know, tomorrow, you mentioned this, we're going to be at the uh, Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. We have Dan Bishop coming on our show, who is currently running for Attorney General. Alan Balkum is going to be on our show. He is one of the um, candidates 
for the District 8 congressional race. He'll be part of the debate that we do on January 31st at the Bat Center at Wingate University. And these are the kinds of conversations, full conversations, that help inform people about who 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 these people are, who we are, and, mm-hmm. and, and gives people a chance to also have conversations with these people. We had Bill Graham on our show today for a full hour. It was his first long-form interview since he declared that he's running for governor in the Republican primary. And he took uh, questions from people who were texting in, who were calling in, um, and answered those questions. So he was getting to have a conversation in real time with voters. And I mean, that's when we are at our best, not when we're sitting and 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 listening to clips that someone with a, an agenda clipped, or or you know, or or, or listening to uh, TikTok videos, that's or right. like you said, trying to find the next thing that's going to inflame us, but instead trying to find the next thing that's going to inspire us, or make us think, or make us want to hug each other. And when you're out and about, at the end of the day, it doesn't end up mattering. Um, you know, how somebody votes, it matters the content of your character and the heart Mm -hmm. that you have and the generosity of spirit that you have and your willingness to help your neighbor. And those are the things that we get to see. So as I was listening to you, I was inspired by that little tidbit of news story on your news program today. So I I was thinking about that during the the news update that uh, that Scott Hamilton was going over, and I was Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, Brett Winterville's right. we got to get off our screens and get out in the community, even if it is going to see Tool. Oh, Tool is awesome live. I've seen them like uh, three (laughs) times. They're they're, they're phenomenal. They're they're phenomenal live. You know me. I love me and Sherry. We love uh, love the the rock and roll shows. Um, That's really great. I love your perspective on this. I'm excited about tomorrow. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. It's always great when we get to press the flesh uh, and and, and say hello to people. It's always a pleasure to do that, and um, it's a real honor to have you on the show, and it's a real honor to uh, have the opportunity to to wave the the WBT flag as we move into Union County tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Yes, so be sure tomorrow to tune in. We start, Bo and I start live at 6 a.m., and Reed Helms, who helps organize that barbecue, is there before we are. And that never happens when you get on the air as early as we do. So be sure to tune in. And, again, Alan Bauckham will be on. Dan Bishop will be on. We have some surprise guests coming our way. Um, it's going to be a good time. And I know that you will be amazing out there as well. And we're going to eat some good barbecue, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Beth Troutman, rest up. We'll, we'll hang out tomorrow. I appreciate hearing from you today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A little Metallica for uh, breaking Brett Jensen joining us now. Oh, did he hang up because of did he hang up because of the Metallica? It's entirely possible. Well, we're gonna effort to get Brett Jensen back here. Because he's got um he's got a Bafo awesome big time uh big time interview that he's going to uh, uh share with you tonight. It's gonna be Absolutely spectacular. So we'll, 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 we will get him back on. It's okay. It's all good. We, we, you know, we set the Metallica up, and then you know, boom, down goes Frazier. You know, this is this is this is what happens. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into a couple other things too until we uh, get him back in here. I, I'm not giving you Phil. I'm not giving you Phil. Uh, Phil is sitting in the car. Um, here is uh, something that's interesting to me. Elise Stefanik's stock continues to go up. And it's a strong speculation that she might be somebody that Donald Trump wants to have as the uh, as as the vice president. And I'll get you details on that 
uh, straight ahead. Breaking Brett Jensen joins us, though. Uh, Breaking Brett Jensen, good to have you back. You got to love how the rubber bands and hamsters sometimes break when trying to, you know, put together everything. Oh, we're gotta all love it. Yeah, we're all good. Okay, so here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Uh-huh. Um, what what have have you got in store for the folks tonight? Because I, I know it's something blockbuster. What do you got? So over the course of two days, I was given more time with CMS Superintendent Dr. Crystal Hill than anyone has ever been given in the world of media. And, uh, you know, it. I think a lot of people were surprised that um, given the stories that I've been able to cover and break on CMS and that they, I would be given such access, mm-hmm. but I was. Mm-hmm. And so um, over the course of two days, we did a lot of interviews, did a lot of questions. And so it's part one of this exclusive interview, like I said, more in-depth than any interview that you will ever hear. I mean, we asked about, I talked to her about everything under the sun involving CMS, things that I know other media outlets had no idea about, and she was able to confirm a lot of things and um, and explain a lot of things. And so it's a two-part series. Part one is tonight. Mm-hmm. So the first uh, couple of segments, the first 30 minutes of the show will be Dr. Crystal Hill tonight. And the first 30 minutes of the show tomorrow night will be Dr. Krista Hill. Not the entire show. Right. But, you know, but these are really, really important questions that I ask her. And I press her on some things. And, you know, she explains some things. And so it's a, it, it's a really, really extensive interview. And like I said, I was given more access to her than anyone in Charlotte. So can I, I, I want to ask in you. The world of, in the world of media. I want to ask you a question about this because, um, it's not something that maybe maybe you do ask her this. I, I don't know, but I'm just curious from your conversation. This was face to face conversation, obviously, right? Were you guys face to face? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was her bearing like? What was? Does she seem confident in the job that she's got here? Um, you know, just just what what are those intangibles that you may have spotted that may not you may not get it across? You know, because it's not a TV thing or a video thing or something like that. What was your, what was your sense of her in terms of the confidence level and, 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 and plowing forward? You know, I will say this. She's publicly extremely confident. Now, of course, we all sometimes come across that way. Sure. You don't know what exactly like what we are behind the scenes or at home behind closed doors where we may have insecurities or questions about our own performance. But at least publicly, mm-hmm. she is extremely confident in what she's doing. She believes that everything that they're doing and like I will tell you this, like they are undertaking massive, mm-hmm. massive changes within the structure of CMS. And they're not doing it gradually. Like it is, mm-hmm. okay, we are doing this now and we are doing this now and we are reassigning these people and we're putting people that have been in positions for fifteen, twenty years, we're now putting them somewhere else. You know, and I asked her many questions. I asked her, is CMS too big? Is the 17th biggest school district in the country? Mm-hmm. And you've got people way up north in Davidson and Cornelius mm-hmm. being treated the same as the people down at Pineville and Steel Creek and Ballantyne. Like, they're compl- it's almost like two or three separate mm-hmm. school districts. And, you know, in the, the inner city schools in Charlotte. So I asked her, is CMS too big? I asked her if CMS was a bigger mess than she had ever envisioned when she mm. took over the job. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be interested to hear that answer. So there were a lot of things I went into her because she is just now, well, we're in what, a third week of January? Yeah. She's been on the job 
um, the first, you know, first four or five months, first five months as interim. But she's been the superintendent at CMS for exactly one year and three weeks. Wow. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to ask one question on the way out in that regard, and it's an analogy. So you you can take it any place you want. Okay, um, what what she's undertaking would be analogous to what football program in the country right now in the NFL level are we are we looking at this as an equivalent? So here's the, and that's a great question. So here's the problem: much like football. Yeah, exactly. Just like football, we'll, we'll use this sports analogy. You won't know if all the changes being implemented are going to result in a winning season or a winning program for at least two or three years. Like you won't know for at least two years or at least 18 months. How are the changes going? Are things getting better or are they status quo? Are they the same as they've ever been or what's going on? And so, you know, that's the undertaking, like, it, it, it is massive, changing the assistant coaches, yeah. changing the, uh, the the playbooks. She's coming in and changing a lot of things, and but the, you know, but just like in real life sports or real life, you know, companies, you you won't know whether or not yeah. they're working or not for at least a year at the minimum, and probably probably closer to eighteen months. Good stuff. I, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, both parts of this. I, I think it's going to be phenomenal. I appreciate you uh, getting the time to, to sit with her uh, for, for this extended conversation, and uh, I think everyone's going to learn a whole lot from this. Uh, uh, breaking with Brett Jensen, uh, we appreciate you being there, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, Brett. Thanks a lot. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Former, uh, former, president, former President Trump is going to... Uh, I guess be considering maybe Elise Stefanik as a uh, as a potential vice presidential running mate. That seems to be uh, something that's uh, in the offing, at least as of right now, during a candlelit dinner with Mar-a-Lago members in late December. Former President Donald Trump walked around the table as the conversation turned to one of the biggest decisions that he'd have to make, which is to pick a running mate. That's when Representative Elise Stefanik. The hard-charging upstate New York Republican came up, according to a person at the dinner table. Uh, attendees around Trump raved about her viral moments just weeks before when she grilled the university presidents at a congressional hearing uh, about anti-Semitism on campus. At the thought of Stefanik as a possible choice for vice president, Trump nodded approvingly. He said, she's a killer. She's a killer, is what he said. Uh, ever since then, Trump and a growing group of allies have started to look more closely at Stefanik as a running mate, according to eight people familiar with the matter, including people in Trump's orbit, Stefanik, uh, fundraising bundlers and former Trump administration officials. So she's 39 years old, was at the crest of a wave of national publicity after taking on the leaders of Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania, MIT, etc. So um you know, this is somebody that is uh, potentially being looked at uh, as part of, uh, of of that move. So we'll certainly uh, keep an eye on that. Now, here in uh, North Carolina, 
you had President Biden come into town and talk about needing to spend money on infrastructure and specifically the infrastructure of the Internet so that people could get the Internet all over the, uh, the state of North Carolina. As you heard from uh, Scott Hamilton uh, in his reporting, uh, there was um, there's a belief that they can get this done by 2030. Six years, 20, 2030 to get everybody the Internet. You know, uh, it's nice to have the money. It's nice to spend the money. It's nice to talk about the money that you're spending. Uh, but there is also a free market component out there. Um, if, if you allow people to compete, prices do come down because you have more players in the marketplace. Just go back to the old days of Ma Bell. I don't know if you remember Ma Bell. If you remember the way the telephone companies operated, it was all Ma Bells. And then they got broken up. And then you had a whole bunch of other companies come in. You had your, you know, you had your, uh, your different um, providers uh, for long distance. You know, MCI, remember them? MCI was out there. Sprint was out there. Um, you, you know, the, uh, the AT&T property itself was there. Um, competition is a good thing. Can you imagine if you only had one car manufacturer? Could you imagine if you only had one computer provider? Uh, you didn't have Apple and, and PC and Google and all these other sorts of things. Can you imagine how that would go? Well, you can imagine how that would go. Because government has a, um, a monopoly on certain projects. Certain projects. The government puts in a bid. You can't go and buy a, uh, an F-35 fighter jet. Government can, which means if government needs F-35 fighter planes, then they're going to get charged whatever the company that manufactures F-35s is going to charge. If, if you have uh, an F-35 and uh, uh, some other sort of uh, you know airplane manufacturer competing for that, now you've got a little bit of competition. A competition makes everything better. I mean, it, it, it does make everything better. And there have to be regulations, obviously. You, you don't want people uh, stealing stuff and then trying to sell it as a black market item or anything like that. But my whole point in talking about this is we have to wait another six years so that all of North Carolina gets Internet. Really? Why? Why? Because Joe Biden is like a Johnny Appleseed and he's planting all of this Internet, uh, these Internet trees everywhere, all over the Internet trees. But, you know, you could actually just call Elon Musk like you could actually if you're the president, you could call. I know he hates Elon Musk, but he could call Elon Musk and he could say to Elon Musk, you know what? Why don't you just deploy a bunch of those satellite things uh, over uh, over our country? And then everybody can be part of the mesh and they can do all the stuff that they want to do with the Internet and the high speed stuff and all that. Oh, why don't why don't you just do that? No. No. There's two realities in this world. One. Humans are the only people aware that they will have a termination point. They don't know when it will be, but we have the sentient knowledge that life will end for us at some point. And do you know what the other thing is? 
government will always empower government first before it empowers the taxpayers. That is a lock. Government looks for government first. And then you get the drippings. And what's kind of funny about it is we're all aware of that. And still we put up with it. Somebody tell me why. News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Woodrable Show. Good to be with you. Taking a look at some of the other crazy stuff that's happening. We have got another great hour straight ahead uh, shortly. But first, how about this? How about this? Because this is one of those things that I look at and I've been paying closer and closer attention to. This, um, this story of colon cancer now being the top cause of cancer death in young men. This is a, a shocking report. New cancer cases projected to top 2 million hit a record high in 2024. People are, are wondering about this, especially folks who are uh, younger. Cancer mortality in the U.S. has fallen over the past three decades, but increases in common forms of the disease pose a threat to that major progress. The number of new cancer cases in the U.S. is expected to top 2 million for the first time in 2024, based on new research that also points to shifting age patterns among cancer patients and a troubling increase in overall cancer incidence among people younger than 50. The ACS, the American Cancer Society, latest statistical report released on Wednesday says the country's cancer mortality rate fell by 33% from 91 to 2021. That decrease equated to an estimated 4.1 million fewer deaths. And by the way, researchers are attributing to improvements in disease management detection, along with reductions in smoking, to be the answers. They don't quite know what it is that is uh, causing this sudden spike. 704-570-1110. Let's grab this uh, call from Stan. Hey, Stan, welcome to the program. Hi, Brett. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I want to talk with you about the judge that denied the... Um, uh, buyout of uh, Spirit Air by JetBlue. Uh-huh. Um, well, it turns out that basically, and this is, of course, I, I've looked at all of this from like studying for the book and everything, and it turns out that most of the goods or services that we purchase, the major ones that we purchase, are administered to us via what I call a cartel model. And it turns out that the regulatory agencies for each industry, that's their goal, is to create the cartel model. And I just want to just read you one little snippet about a, a past merger. In 2008, Delta Airlines and Northwest Airlines announced a merger agreement. That merger formed what was then the largest commercial airline in the world. So it was okay for them to allow that merger to happen and form the largest airline in the world, and yet it's not okay that JetBlue buys Spirit Airlines to create what would create 10, a 10.2% market share between those two when you have Delta, American Southwest, and United controlling 75% of the market. Mm-hmm. And they do this by giving each airline hubs, pricing out competition. And so every city has its own hub so that if I'm flying out of Charlotte, if I'm going nonstop, I'm flying American. Right. 
I fly out of Dallas if I'm going nonstop. I'm fly, I'm flying. I think it's United. And they've and they've done that so that the Spirit Airlines came in. What they wanted to do was provide a cheap, cheaper alternative to passengers. And the judge is now saying no. And it's basically going to sign the death warrant for Spirit Air. And then one of these big airlines will come up and buy yeah, buy swoop it up, swoop it up That's at right. cheaper prices, making That's these other airlines even bigger. So there's this there's this there's this federal case that's in front of the Supreme Court that's going to be really interesting because um, what you basically have had across the history was um, judges sitting on these cases and then deferring to the agency responsible for that particular thing. Right. So uh, drugs, FDA. Um, uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission for something else. Securities and Exchange Commission, they're in charge of, uh, 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 you know, stocks, bonds, trading, all that sort of stuff, right? And so there is a comeuppance that is coming. And from what I've been hearing, what's going to be very interesting about this is uh, we may be in a place where they void this massive power that these agencies have to just rule on stuff, and they make these judges basically do their jobs instead of deferring to the agency. Oh, oh yeah, Ozempic, or and I'm not trying to name any product, you know, in a derogatory way. Uh, Ozempic, or uh, this food, that food, this supplement, that supplement. Well, I don't know. Is it safe? We don't know if it's safe. Let's ask the agency that's in charge of it, and they'll tell us if it's safe, right? It's kind of like, what was the agency that was in charge of the COVID shot? Oh, the FDA. Yeah. Uh, Who can't you sue? The FDA. And you can't sue the people that made the vaccine, right? They made it impossible. So, I, mean, I mean, they fixed that, so it's impossible to do. Yeah, so, right. So that's it, man. I mean, so this is all, I'm not surprised. I am, we do not, look, we like to say the land of the free and the home of the brave. We need to be braver and try to get more freer. You know, that's what it comes down to, Stan. And, and I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, di- you're diving into this because you are right. I mean, there is a fine line. You don't want to have, you know, Bob and Harry running an airline with one plane and he's going to take you someplace and, they're, you know, they're not, they're not licensed and prepared and all that sort of stuff but right. there's got to be a there's got to be a happy medium in between you know, you, you, where you have competition in a consumer because when there's airline complaints of course. You know, Pete, Pete Buttigieg is the arbiter not the market that's correct and and and, and then when Pete Buttigieg isn't there it's uh you know it's 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 JB Pritzker it's the next guy the next guy the next guy <laughs> whoever the heck it is and you're never gonna know I, you know, I'll tell you something right now. I think at the administrative state, you should be allowed to sue people like Pete Buttigieg as, as a citizen because you've been harmed. Why does he get the magic protection? You know, come on, get out of here. I appreciate the show, Brett. You take care. You got it. That's Stan. I'm Brett. We got another great hour straight ahead. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Brett Witterbull Show. Great to be with you tonight, 704-570-1110. Excited, excited, excited to be down in Union County at the Crime Stoppers uh, barbecue tomorrow. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm excited to be down there, and all the great people from WBT will be there as well. There's a piece that uh, Victor Davis Hansen uh, put up over at American Greatness, and it's called The Hysterical Style in American Politics. Now, I'm not going to read the entire column to you, but I want to kind of summarize what it is he's saying in this piece. What he's saying is we have in this century, right, the the post-2001 years, we have careened from hysterical to hysterical crises at almost every single turn. Here are just some of the poll quotes uh, from this Especially in the 21st century, there's been a left-wing hysterical style of inventing scandals and manipulating perceived tensions for political advantage. They start with, obviously, uh, 2008 with the mortgage meltdown. And and then you, you get into the time when Donald Trump in 2016 was declared Hitler-like and an existential threat to democracy. And then you move on to the Me Too movement. And then after the Me Too movement, they went to uh, Brett Kavanaugh being a serial rapist and couldn't be on the Supreme Court. And then they went on to COVID-19 in the winter of 2020. And then it went on to um, the lockdown causing economic chaos, suicides, health crises. Suddenly, there was a historical lie that took root saying that all the American police were waging war against black males. The police were defunded. Diversity, equity, inclusion, commissars spread throughout the American higher education uh, as meritocracy came under assault. And everything from destroying the southern border to dropping SAT requirements for college admission followed. That is just a snapshot of what we've had happen in this century as we are now in our uh, 24th year, 20, 24th year uh, of this century, uh, 23rd year of the century. Um, but where does this come from and how does it get fixed? How does it get remedied? I have a couple of thoughts. I, I, I sincerely have a couple of thoughts. I, I, I think rather than, and, and uh, please don't take this in, in any kind of a, a mandate, because I'm not a mandate guy. I'm a guy who's just got ideas. I, I would recommend to people on both sides of the fence, both sides of the fence, okay? So conservatives, moderates, liberals, leftists, whatever it is, you need to consume as much media as you can. And what I mean by that is, perspectives perspectives of media imagine um i'll use a football analogy okay you root for a football team or any professional sports franchise you root for a team raise your hand if you're driving don't just answer it in your mind do you only pay attention to your team Like, if you're a Panthers fan, are you only aware of the things that are happening on the Panthers? If you're a Cowboys fan, do you only pay attention to the Cowboys? Uh, I mean, I got Isaac here in the room with me here. Isaac, do you, as a Panthers fan, only follow the Panthers? No, I try to follow them all. You know, uh, being a being a Panthers fan is tough. So you gotta you gotta get your small victory somewhere. Yes. So uh, I like seeing other players that I like win. Okay. See, that's that's good. Tommy, do you only follow the Cowboys or the Yankees? Absolutely, 
That's well, too painful. Very good. I like that. That's very that's great honesty. So the fact of the matter is, we are all generally aware of like the sports picture, the business picture, the we should be with the political picture too. Like I, I gotta tell you, full 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 confession here. I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you. I'm I'm stripping the bark, and here's what I got, okay? I have when I get up in the morning, I start doing my show prep. What I do as the as the morning progresses, as I get into that six o'clock hour, I've got on Bo and Beth. I've got Bo and Beth on my one of my devices, and I've got uh, different news channels up on my other devices. And I'm watching everything and I'm listening to them. And the reason why I do this is I want to be aware of everything and I want to kind of digest it in real time because it's it's very interesting. If you look at cable TV right now, like we happen to be in a studio with four different televisions. Now, almost all of these are uh, local television channels, right, where we can see what's going on on Channel 3, what's going on on Channel 9, what's going on uh, on, on MeTV. Not really me, TV. But the fact of the matter is, when you see these these shows side by side, you're going to see what the narrative is at that moment. One of the most important things you can learn is to watch this stuff and see what is being led. What is what is the lead story on a given channel? Because they're telling you what's important to them. Now, if you have... Like, for example, today, if I were programming, I would say uh, you got the Hunter Biden deposition that's being talked about over on Fox. The Uvalde report that came out with the mass with the mass murders in Texas. That was a big story. And at that when that story was running, it was on all three of the cable channels when Merrick Garland was 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 giving question, uh, giving answers to the questions about this report. But when you get into like the political stuff. Well, you'll see uh, you'll see like uh, MSNBC in the morning. You'll see they'll be doing something on Ukraine, um, something on CNN will be usually it'll be like a, a Trump trial thing. And then on Fox, it'll be um, it, it'll be something kind of like what we were just talking about earlier with Jim Jordan uh, trying to suss out the story of whether or not Americans were being surveilled in the wake of January the 6th. Now, one of the narratives that emerged this morning that people don't think about is. Well, January 6th occurred and Donald Trump was still president. So technically, the Department of Justice was Donald Trump's Department of Justice when they started digging up all that information and sending it out into the into the universe. So those are going to be questions that have to be answered. Right. So not every villain is 100 percent always a villain. Not every hero is 100 percent always a hero. You know, as they like to say. In a more pleasant way of of phrasing it, even the meanest guy on the block likes ice cream and puppies. You're not 100 percent evil 24 7, 365. It's why when you watch a movie and you see the villain and there's a kitten that comes by and he pets the kitten and you go, oh, he's not that bad. No, he's that bad. He just likes a kitten. News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. Hunter Biden is set to appear for a February 28th closed-door deposition on his overseas business activities after he had demanded that he answer questions in public. This is a uh, reporting coming out of uh, Bloomberg News. 
So he is um, he is going to show up and he is going to testify. And uh, this is this is going to be uh, something that will uh, eventually it's going to get out. Uh, these 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 sorts of moments don't stay private. It's 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 pretty clear. Uh, elsewhere in the world of business, deep-pocketed donors from Wall Street and the world of finance who typically back Republicans have been hesitant to open their wallets to fund a Trump-Biden rematch. Now, is that as much Biden's fault as it is Trump's fault? President Biden lambasted Donald Trump for uh, casting the U.S. as a failing nation and predicting the economy would would, uh, crater. According to the uh, current president, he wants to see the stock market crash, Biden said, in Raleigh, North Carolina. But it's it's not. There's a reason why it's not why it's not crashing. There is a reason for this. I don't I don't know if people want to understand what it is, but you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the Biden Harris administration. Their number one desire, their number one numero uno uh, desire was to ensure that the JCTA or the JTCA, uh, the Job uh, Creators uh, Act, which was the Trump tax cuts, which are going to expire, as I've talked about this in the past, in 2025. They wanted to see those tax cuts rescinded. That was a that was a major issue for um Uh, Biden Harris, but that didn't happen. And the consequence of that not happening means we have been able to kind of run on the fumes of that tax cut. If, If you could imagine how much worse off you'd be if you had to give up another, say, 15, 20 percent. Into the tax base, you you might have a much more difficult time. Now, why why did President Biden and Kamala Harris, why did they want to rescind the tax cuts? Because there was two possibilities when it came to fighting inflation. What does inflation mean? Inflation means that you have too much money sloshing around out there in the economy. So you have um, let's say. Let's say let's just use a, a round number, a billion dollars. Right. There's a billion dollars too much sloshing around in the economy. That's not good. It makes things become expensive, yada, yada, yada. But here's the problem. How do you soak up that billion dollars that's sloshing around in the economy that's causing inflation? This is again, it's an arbitrary number. You can do a couple of things. You, you can raise interest rates like through the roof, which is what we kind of did. Or you know what you can do? You can institute tax increases so that the federal government takes in all that extra cash that's flowing around out there. And it also will operate as a break on people spending a bunch of money on stuff that they shouldn't spend the money on. Now, that's a really command and control economy kind of model that, that they would be talking about, right? So what's the answer? Hey, we're, we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to rescind the, the Trump tax cuts and we're going to re, re, we're gonna put them back to where they were uh, under Obama-Biden. We're going to go to a 28% uh, and, and, and 35% and all this sort of stuff. But remember what one of the biggest, biggest, biggest parts of the tax cuts were? 
It was us cutting the corporate tax, the corporate income tax. That has kept us in the game. Now, Joe Biden wishes that that did not ever happen. And so to prove that he cares about inflation, he granted $132 billion in student loan forgiveness just with the flick of a switch. Wait a minute, Brett, that doesn't make any sense. Hold on. Hold on. So you're saying that the money could be soaked up by tax increases. Yes, it could. The money could also be soaked up by what? By making people pay their student loans back. See, there's a lot of money sloshing around out there. You could either take it from the job creators or the people who are um, raising families and doing all that sort of stuff. Or you can go and say, hey, you signed this contract. You signed this document that said you were going to pay your student loans back. You've got to restart the payments of those student loans. Joe Biden did neither of those things. He bailed on getting rid of the Trump tax cuts. He gave in to the the, uh, students with $132 billion in, in relief on student loan stuff, which means you don't then have to pay that. And that money is now free for spending. Wait, hold on. That's what happened. And that's what is happening. So the next fight, because Joe Biden recognizes, people can say what they want to say about the guy. He understands the only reason why he's still in the game uh, and you don't have the pitchforks at the front door uh, is because he didn't kill those tax cuts. We would be in really bad shape. We would look a whole lot more like other countries around the world than this country right now. But make no mistake, if Joe Biden gets reelected, those tax cuts are dying. Boom. Your, your rates are going to go up 10, 15 percent, whatever it's going to be they're ju- That's what they're going to do. He's going to increase the earned income tax credit. He's going to do a whole bunch of giveaways for cash for the 10 million illegals that are in the country right now. I mean, this is going to be an orgy of spending. And and that is not anything that you want to have happen. Nobody wants to ask the tough questions about about the migrants who have come into the country. Let me ask you a question. For for years and years, you've heard about these these uh, these shortages, housing shortages. Right. You have young people who are in their 20s that want to try to rent an apartment and it's like twenty five hundred bucks a month. OK, that, that apartment should probably be rocking uh, somewhere around fourteen hundred dollars a month. But what's driving that demand? What else is driving it? a shortage of more apartments being built? Why aren't more apartments being built? More apartments are not being built because 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 the interest rates are high. So what you've got right now in the real estate market is kind of like gridlock. Okay, we can sell our house and take a nice profit, but we're going to have to go buy a house or rent an apartment and we're going to get yoked. What do we do? Just stay in the house. That's what people are saying. Bidenomics is really, when you drill down into it, it's three shells with one bean, and it's someone moving them all around going, pick a, pick a shell, pick a shell, any shell, three-card Monty, where is it, where is it, where is it? Oh, no, you lose. Because the bean is not under any of them. The government's got the bean. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, Brett Witterbull. Good to be with you. Lots of good stuff happening out there. Uh, uh, this is this is an interesting little uh, development here that's moving. Um, so uh, apparently, in the conversation, or or I guess it was a one way conversation mostly uh, between uh, uh, Tony Blinken, who is the Secretary of State of the United States, he apparently told Netanyahu that uh, you can't beat Israel. You, I mean, you can't beat uh, Hamas. Secretary of State Tony Blinken told the Israeli Prime Minister. Bibi Netanyahu last week that Israel cannot defeat Hamas. There is no military solution and that Israel will have to accept a Palestinian state. Netanyahu reportedly rejected the idea. NBC News reported on Wednesday that Blinken and Biden are therefore trying to work around Netanyahu, the actual elected leader of Israel, in a departure from the Biden administration Posture as the supposed defender of the democratic ideals. Blinken uh, told Netanyahu that ultimately there's no military solution to Hamas. Now, this is this is uh, this is a freaky thing to think about here. And I'm going to tell you why, because there wasn't there was an attempt by uh, the Obama Biden administration. So you're going back pre Trump. And they they ran a, an operation that some would be called collusion, collusion or they would call um, meddling in an election to defeat Bibi Netanyahu back in the day. And that's what created the uh, hard cheese between between uh, Team Biden and uh, Bibi Netanyahu. He's, he's never forgiven him for that because they felt like. Uh, BB's team felt like that they that they jammed him. Now, there's a lot of other stuff happening here. What happens when you have a crisis? Time is the is the worst possible uh, element because you can't control time. You can't control the time. You can't control the time of the operation. You can't control any of this stuff that's going on. So time is always in somebody else's hand. And here's the thing you have to remember. There's an adage they have, especially in, in places like uh, the Middle East and in Southeast Asia, uh, in, in Southwest Asia. And what they'll say is, they will say, the West has the clock, but we control the time. In other words, media outlets are counting the numbers of days that have elapsed since this began so i think we're right up against uh it's almost 100 days um this happened on october the 7th we're, we're pretty close to 100 days of this military operation and so what'll happen the news coverage will be 100 days is netanyahu failing is 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 this the wrong way to go should they sue for peace and all that here's the challenge though unlike us going into vietnam or unlike us going into afghanistan or unlike us even going into iraq this is all being fought on territory that Israel basically controls or is adjacent to. So you have all these people mobilized who are civilians who haven't been working. 
These are people that have been mobilized to go fight, mobilized to secure, mobilized to do this, to do that. Like the economic toll on this is unbelievable. And ultimately, that is what is going to determine how the clock is counted. Because think about a recession in the United States. Think about a bad economic downturn like 2008. You know, you're willing to do anything you can to uh, to try to keep everything afloat. But if you don't have tourism coming in, if you've got boycotts, if you've got things that are so unstable that you, you, you don't know what the uh, extended end of picture time is, um, it's going to be a problem. And so that is that is what is happening. That's the that's the adage you're getting from um, the people who are, are willing to wait things out, because think about this. The Iranians and the Hezbos and the the Hamas guys and the Houthis, these people don't have to attack in mass. They can bleed you out. They just bleed you out. There's only going to be so much that the world is going to put up with when it comes to not being able to run shipping uh, through the Red Sea, through the Suez Canal, through all of that sort of stuff. And we, if you have to take cargo from Europe and go all the way down to the southern tip of, uh, of, of, of Cape, Cape Good Hope and then going back up to bring your stuff up in a, into the market, it's crazy or vice versa. That's nuts. Those are added costs. It's added expenses. It's added insurance. It's added time. It's all that sort of stuff. And so all they have to do, all the bad guys have to do, is to just refuse to make a major attack, uh, not to fall back. If they just stand there and just go through this, who's bearing the cost? And in an interesting sort of twist of events on this, there's something else you have to think about. Joe Biden is facing an election. Joe Biden is facing an election. Netanyahu could be called... An election could be called at any minute to try to keep him out, uh, to, keep, to, to, to get rid of him. And Joe, Bi- uh, Joe Biden is, is going to face difficulties. You have very strong lobbyists who, who want him to support Israel. He's got a faction of people who want him to abandon Israel. Um, Bibi Netanyahu is fighting for his life and views Joe Biden as less than uh, an ally. Um, and then on top of all that, you have Donald Trump sitting off on stage, uh, stage right, waiting to come in and to say, I'm going to back BB. I'm going to back the situation. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to fix it. Don't worry about it. We got this. These people are going to be. You, you wonder, do you wonder in the dark of night when you're laying there in bed, do you wonder whether or not Donald Trump is talking to foreign leaders right now? You should assume he is. You should assume he is. I mean, this is this is the way the game is played. Politics is war by other means. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Witterbull Show, final segment of the day. But we'll be back again tomorrow. Let's jump out and talk to some great people. Let's talk to Matt first up. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, Brett. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. Hey, um, you were talking about, uh, you know, the, all these different international characters acting up. I, if I notice correctly, 
they weren't acting up when Trump was in office, and I don't think it's because he's like the smartest guy in the world or anything like that. Yeah. But I think it has something to do with the same thing. Like if I was looking to say extort slash sue somebody out of money, and Michael Jackson's walking down one side of the street, and Mike Tyson's walking down the other side of the street, why would I pick Michael Jackson? Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you're you're, if I, you're right. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, keep make your point. I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing with uh, you 100%. Because if, you know, you, you pick a fight with Mike Tyson, the worst, the best thing that could happen to you is you have the best-looking wheelchair on the planet. Uh, the other side of the thing is you're going to end up making money, and it's like they're, they're just kind of bullying our president because they know that he's he's weak. Mm-hmm. And, and I just I think that the rest of the world sees that. I didn't see China acting up. I didn't see Iran acting up. I didn't see Hamas, and I, you know, I just didn't see all this stuff. That's true. I didn't see it when Reagan was president. I saw it when Carter was president. Yeah. I didn't see it. You know, I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, na- na- nature abhors a-, a vacuum, and this is a vacuum, and this is a guy. If if every answer to every question is to pay people off, which is essentially what this administration does. Then they're yeah. just going to keep attacking you. It's it's you have to throw them yeah. off the boat. You have to throw them off the boat into the ocean and drive away. And we can't we can't take another four years. We of cannot. We one hundred percent. We cannot. Uh, we absolutely cannot. It's um it's impossible. It's impossible. Hey, I love your show, man. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you being out there, buddy. Thank you so much, Lynn. Welcome to the program. Hi, Brett. Hello. I was going to talk uh, about the fact that February twenty eighth is the date for Hunter Biden, but um. I didn't know if you also discussed that that date is out a little ways so they can interview other people within the Biden family. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a that's a huge point. Absolutely right. That is uh, that's going to be a big I deal. don't know who's agreed, but they're certainly going to interview, um, you know, his brother, James Biden. For sure. Definitely. That's that's a mandatory. You have to talk to him. Uh, and that's uh, and, and look and and his, I would the person I would also depose is uh, Valerie, his sister. Yes, of course. I mean, these that's are true. This well. is a, this is a because family operation. You saw a picture of her going on the plane yep. with Joe when he was VP yep. and Hunter Biden together. All three were in that picture. Right. And don't forget, we have to always remember. We cannot forget this. Okay, they ran that money through the kids. The children, they were running that money. I mean, you want to talk about despicable uh, taking taking the proceeds from these bad characters around the world and, and you're putting it through your kids, social security numbers. What happens in, exactly. in what happens in 10 or 15 or 20 years when they're, they're going out to try to get a mortgage or a security clearance and they get they get dinged because of uh, uh, shady uh, SARs. Right. There's the uh, suspicious activity reports. Absolutely, but you know how many LLCs they have. Oh yeah, no, I don't. And let's nobody not knows. forget. <laughs> let's not forget, Brett, um, that it wasn't just foreign that you know Vice President Biden had his hands in. Yes. When people were going through having trouble with, they got a second mortgage, and when they had to keep their kids in college, or their kids were getting high priced uh loans guess who one of the companies was run by who hunter biden well there we go see see 
This yeah. is this is crazy uh, time. And don't forget John Kerry's stepson. Yeah. Oh was yeah. Involved in that too, and yes. the point man funneling millions to that company, which was the financial company mm-hmm. arm, uh, was Joe Biden as vice That's president. That's correct. That is correct. Great stuff, Lynn. Tremendous analysis. I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you, Brad. You're very... Always appreciate listening to you and your fantastic team. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being out there, Lynn. Thank you very, very much for that. You know, he's, Matt was talking about the whole idea of how you deal with uh, bad guys, right? You, he, what was the analogy he used? He said, you see Michael Jackson walking down one side of the street and you see Michael Tyson, Mike Tyson coming down the other side of the street. You know, who are you going to go try to shake down? Obviously, you can shake down uh, Michael Jackson. And it reminds me of a, of, of a story. The, the story goes like this. There was a Marine. There was a Marine who uh, left the service. He had been injured and he left the service and he had decided that he was going to go and teach at a high school. And so the, the Marine uh, was, was sitting at, at his desk uh, waiting for these, these rough and rowdy teenagers to come in. Well, the Marine had been injured uh, before he went into this job as a, as a teacher, and he had a body cast uh, on, his, on his chest. And so he had, he had the plaster wrapping around him. And uh, th- these kids start kind of mouthing off a little bit. They start mouthing off. They're, they're, they're saying this. They're saying they're cursing. They're not staying in their seats or anything like that. And the, the Marine opened the window and sat down in, in the chair, um, and he had his tie on. And uh, suddenly... Uh, they were acting up again. And the Marine sitting there in his seat was sick and tired of his necktie smacking him in the face because the wind was blowing the, the necktie. So he grabbed a stapler and he opened it up and he stapled the tie to his chest. Those kids stopped immediately. They didn't realize that he had a cast under his shirt. Message sent. Thanks to Tommy. Thanks to Isaac. Thanks to Scott. Thanks to Pam. Thanks to Jensen. Thanks to Beth. Thanks to you. Thanks to me. Thanks to us. We gave you a great show. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.